Back then, hoes didn't want me. Now I'm hot hoes all on me. Back then, hoes didn't want me. Now I'm hot hoes all on me. Back then, hoes didn't want me. Now I'm hot hoes all on me. Back then, hoes didn't want me. Now I'm hot hoes all on me. Welcome to Low Expectations, a series about not taking ourselves or their people too seriously. Today's episode features content creator Tiffany J. Tiffany created the blog Coffee Rhetoric, where she offers commentary about pop culture, society, and current events. Despite going viral a time or two, being mentioned in the New York Times, and making appearances on Huffington Post Live, Tiffany finds comfort in primarily working behind the scenes. She's a proud recovering overachiever and a silent perpetrator of noteworthy things. Tune in as we discuss success, failure, and how to develop healthy coping mechanisms in an increasingly goal-obsessed world. So, Tiffany, uh, can you please introduce yourself? Please tell the people who you are, what you're passionate about, all those kind of things. Uh, well, um, I lived a former life as a social media personality um, during the first wave of social media before Facebook, before Instagram, before the Twitters and the TikToks and all that. I was a prolific blogger, freelance writer, um, and um, went viral a couple times. And uh, it it wasn't for me. So I took a very long, years-long extended break. And I'm kind of dipping my... I've been, over the last couple of years, I've been dipping my toe back into content creation. Mm-hmm. Um, but now um, I've been trying out uh, YouTubing and a little bit of TikToking. I'm still, the verdict's still out on TikTok, but okay. some Instagramming and then, but mostly YouTubing. That's a flex to go viral and then be like, no, nah, I'm good. And just, yeah, yeah no, it definitely um, wasn't for me. <laughs> do you feel comfortable telling what kind of things you wrote about or no? Um, initially, um, I, uh, when I was blogging, I had, um, I was anonymous. I wrote under my a pseudonym for years, um, called coffee. It was a take on coffee, the, uh, black, the seventies Pam Greer character mm-hmm. from the black exploitation area era. But, um, I wrote under coffee, but I spelled it C-O-F-F-E-Y. So it was kind of like a, um, take on it was paying homage to Pam Greer's character and my love of coffee. <laughs> so um, I've for years I wrote under um, coffee 0072. Um, even when I was, and then 007, there's, there was like a whole thing behind the name, the pseudonym. It was coffee, coffee, the actual coffee, and then Pam Greer's character. And then 0072 was like a play on uh, James Bond. Mm. So for years I wrote under that pseudonym, even when I was freelancing, I blogged under that pseudonym. Then I, you know, um, a local newspaper found my blog and I kind of got outed. (laughs) So, yeah. So I'd say over um, the last few years, I've just been using Tiffany J. Okay. Mm -hmm. And let me ask you this. Um, You already mentioned your love for coffee. Outside of coffee, what things are you passionate about, most passionate about? Um... The things I'm most passionate about, that's a good question. Um, uh, oh, wow. Um, just um, for the most part, just being given the space to 
exist as a as a black woman especially i'm really passionate about that having the space to exist as a black woman that includes just um people recognizing my humanity that's mostly what i'm passionate about um and um yeah just i don't know just this this will kind of sound corny, but just, I don't know, just trying to exist, navigate the world. Because I can say, oh, I want the world to be a better place, but I know it, it probably will just continue on as business as usual. So just being able to, as comfortably as possible, um, navigate the world as we know it and being given space to exist as a black woman. I'm really passionate about that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And talking about just existing is actually really interesting because Mm -hmm. I'm on a journey where I feel Mm -hmm. like I'm recognizing that I don't always have to be guilting myself. You know, (laughs) it's okay to want to rest. Um, Are you familiar with the Trisha Hershey and the Nat ministry? Trisha Hershey and the Nat Ministry. I oh yeah, you know. should definitely look. Her. Okay, so look her, look it up. Um, okay. Trisha Hershey, T R I T I A Hershey. Mm-hmm. Uh, they call her the I don't know Bishop Nat Minister, but it's called the Nat Ministry. Okay. And essentially, she's talking about how we have a right to desire to want to rest. We have a right yeah. to not want to acquiesce to grind culture because essentially yeah. oh, it's God. it's not meant for us. Like you know, we're gonna be working ourselves to literal death trying to chase these mm-hmm. goals that are not really meant for us um and i was telling i was speaking with you earlier about uh how there's a live stream that i had and somebody told me that losing is okay mm-hmm. and i had to like sit and stare at the phrase because mm-hmm. it was so against everything that i had been taught and come to understand about how to win and and be happy and be okay in the world yeah. so i wanted to ask you like what comes to mind when you hear the phrase losing is okay and how yeah. have you kind of like grappled with when you don't attain whatever you want to, like, how do you still reassure yourself that you will be okay and mean it? Um, well, uh, for starters, um, I'd say over the last, this last year, I've been uh, changing my social media profiles. Um, mm-hmm. Either I'll just simply put Dracars <laughs> or I'll, um, but I've mostly been putting that I'm a recovering overachiever. Mm-hmm. And um, f- what comes to mind um, is when I hear the phrase, when I, you know, if someone were to say losing is okay to me, um, I would think that that would mean that people, um, if someone were to tell me that losing is okay, for me, that would mean that, wow, um, someone um, recognizes that I'm human. Mm-hmm. I think that losing is okay means that. Um, people recognize the fact that I've done the work I've done some self-reflection I think losing is okay Mm -hmm. means self-reflection I Mm -hmm. think it means having the uh, wherewithal to Mm self-critique I think losing is okay means um, we've learned how to roll with the punches even when you kind of have moments of Mm -hmm. self-doubt and and I also think you know, if when I hear the phrase losing is okay, um, it, it means that people recognize the fact that, um, 
you know, I'm not someone that feels entitled to things just because Mm -hmm. um, that I've learned from whatever mistakes I've made. um, And that, you know, um, here's another doozy. And this is something I've come to realize over the last few years that losing is okay because losing can also be transformative. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It can be. Yeah. I mean, like if you're, um, I know you're familiar with the phrase, what is it about sailing and the smoothness of this, the waves and crap, smooth, smooth seas don't make for skilled sailors. Right. Hmm. Um, but also you never heard that phrase before. I, I don't think so. No, I won't even front. I don't think. (laughs) (laughs) Let me make sure I said it right. But yeah, smooth seas don't make for, um, skilled sailors. Right. Meaning, Mm -hmm. You have to you have to face some level of adversity to know how to mm-hmm. navigate said obstacles. Otherwise, you're going to assume that this that's always the terrain. And when you do yeah. see an obstacle, you're, you're going to shatter. The same concept is is comes through um, in sports, right? Like oftentimes, teams that are able to struggle with each other, they 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 become champion bound teams, championship bound mm-hmm. teams because mm-hmm. they've they've dealt with challenge. In education, right? You have to like struggle with like thought processes, struggle and discussion in order to arrive at a more sophisticated evolved thought and so i'm really curious um for you about the process of even developing expectations right oftentimes we're trying to like tell ourselves you know it's okay we're focusing on the end goal but how do we even get there so i'm curious from you where Mm -hmm. you think that the desire to set certain expectations um whether they're superficial uh, whether they're really, really high, whether they're actually like they actually undermine whatever self journeys that we're on. Where do you even think that some of these expectations, whether they're self-imposed or come from other people, where do you think they come from? Um, hmm, that's a good question. I think <laughs> um, I think uh, expectations. Um, I'm gonna say th- they're self-imposed because they come from other people, if that makes sense. Mm. Like we put all these expectations on ourselves because I think in a lot of regards, people do this because they're performing for other people. Um, You know, a lot of us, um, we make these vision boards and we set goals for ourselves because we like to think that, um, we're doing it for ourselves, but it's especially in, this culture we live in like hustle culture and LLC mm. culture and black <laughs> excellence and Not LLC black, culture. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I have a, don't even get me started. LLC Child. culture and, and, and uh, black girl magic and all these <laughs> kind of magical Negro tropes. I think honestly, we like to say, well, I'm setting these goals for myself, but we're really, we're performing for other people. We're mm. performing for various gazes. We're performing for, I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself here, but we're performing for the white gaze. We're performing for the capitalist, the capitalist gaze. We're performing for Tom Dixon, Dick and Harry's gaze, for our neighbor's gaze, for the haters gaze. Mm-hmm. Let our haters be our motivators. We're performing. So I like we we're setting expectation. The expectations are self-imposed because we're doing it for other people, I think. Mm-hmm. And you talk about um, wanting to perform for other people. So I, I do want to ask about that. But before I do so, you mentioned Black excellence. And mm-hmm. get started. You're not ahead of oh, yourself. No. Right on track. <laughs> what is the problem with Black excellence? Oh, my God. Yes. Um, 
Well, before I start roasting and uh, dragging and snarking on Black excellence, yeah. um, I just want to make it clear that I don't have any issue with people uh, doing well for themselves and striving for themselves and having goals. You know, um, my issue with uh, Black excellence is not, it's, it's, systemic and institutional that's my issue with black i think it's problematic because at the end of the day black excellence is nothing more than uh capitalism it's black capitalism i think black excellence um is is the opposite is two sides of the same coin as uh, let me see if I can say this right, because I don't want to disappoint bell hooks uh, <laughs> kind of black imperialist uh, capitalist patriarchy, two sides of the same coin. We're mimicking uh, white, that kind of white capitalist institutional kind of uh, Western European industrial way of thinking. Mm-hmm. I think, um, like I said, there's nothing wrong with black people doing well for themselves. But again, who are you performing for? Because a lot of the times I think black excellence is nothing but performance for the white gaze. I think it's, uh, black, I think it's respectability politics. And I think it, um, uh, I think it's a scam. I think, um, uh, black excellence is nothing more than the reinforcement of uh, systems that were um, created and reinforced by Jim Crow. You know, this idea of kind of uh, Black exceptionalism and Black prosperity. And what's the phrase? Having to be 10 times as good or have half. You have to be two times better to receive half the benefit. And and we heard that, remember, I don't know if you uh, ever watched Scandal with Carrie. I did. Remember when her dad told her, you have to be, yeah. Yeah. I think what it is, is just uh, us, Black excellence is just, like I said, it's capitalism. It's, 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 It's mimicking you know, white institutions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like this idea of Black exceptionalism and Black prosperity, I think, um, uh, I think, you know, it's almost like you have to be 10 times as good or have half as much as white people to get anywhere under, um, I think it's performance under the white gaze. They get to be mediocre and they get to reward themselves for it <clears throat> you um the case in point that what's this guy's that santos guy who contacted George santos yes um and then i think the thing i think i had that shift i think what shifted for me when it comes mm-hmm. to black excellence and this was years ago um mm-hmm. is when and I, you know it, it impacted me so much um i think i saved it to one of my YouTube favorites list. And every now and again, I'll go in and check to see that it's still there. Mm-hmm. And if the video w- has been removed by the um, original upload, I'll go find it again and save it mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. I remember um, when um, reality star um, Bethany Frankel 
they gave her, I don't know why, but they gave her a talk show. She was from the Real Housewife. The yeah. Early Real yeah. New York. Yeah. And I'll never forget. Uh-huh. She had Omarosa. And I know Omarosa is a very kind of uh, polarizing fig- figure mm-hmm. um, in pop culture. And, um, but, um, but I'll never forget she had Amarosa on her show and uh-huh. she attempted to shame and, um, kind of, you know, you have this white woman t- attempting to, and Amarosa, uh, good, bad, and ugly. She's a very accomplished woman. She, she is, is. Mm-hmm. pre apprentice. She's a very accomplished woman. Her credentials, mm-hmm. you can't, um, deny her of her credentials. And I remember you have Bethany Frankel, this white woman on there. Um, and there was like an audience full of white women. And she's saying, you know, you're just, she's basically telling Amorosa, you're just famous for being famous. What's your function and this, that, and the third. And my whole thing is you're a reality TV star yourself saying this to an accomplished black woman who you know used reality tv to her benefit um so she was kind of attempting to kind of shame her in this audience full of other white women like why are you famous and um kind of trying to undermine her accomplishments Mm -hmm. and when amarosa looked at this woman on her own platform and said to her we'll see you get to be mediocre and you get, as a white woman, you get to be mediocre and you get rewarded for things. Mm-hmm. And I have to be 10 times as uh, better than you to kind of achieve what I've achieved and um, get to where I'm getting. You're mediocre and you still get rewarded for things. That was a game changer for me. <laughs> that she clowned this woman on her own show. And then I remember the audience, she started... Yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen that clip, but she I've said, seen the clip. Bethany was shook. Yeah, she was blinking she all fast at Amaro, yeah. and then the audience, of course, was booing her. Thank that was a game changer for me. What was it? What, what was the game changer about it for you? Because I'm just like, oh my god, um, she's right, and it's like, <laughs> I want to be basic too. Right. Why can't I be basic? Being basic is a privilege. <laughs> yeah. That's no, like, but it shouldn't be. No, but seriously, it shouldn't be. Though. It is. I'm just like, that That really was. And I know, it's like, yeah. but that was, that moment was a game changer for me. Yeah. And that's why I, I keep that clip close to my heart because I'm just like, she's mm. so right. Because it's just like, you know, I may or may not get rewarded for things, but why can't I be basic too? Yeah. Yeah. Let me, Um, I, I think another issue with black excellence Mm-hmm. is that people act as if uh, Black excellence can exist alone, as if it's some mm-hmm. kind of an independent like entity, whereas success for whoever you are, regardless of your race or whatever social construct, it doesn't exist in a vacuum. So the, the same things that require the phrase Black excellence, where we need to highlight excellence of Blackness, mm-hmm. those same things are going to stop poor people from attaining that, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's going to prompt up featureism, right? It's going to prompt mm-hmm. up ableism. So yeah. it's like, you're not really dissecting the issue with excellence as mm-hmm. it is and how the same people keep rising to the top. You're just adding black in front of it. And so that's like, that's what I was hearing when you were talking about how that really like pushes the same issues, but just mm-hmm. within a more confined space. But it's like this, the same challenges. 
But it, it makes me think, how then do you define and pursue success that's actually life affirming? It makes you feel like happy and proud of who you are and what you actually care about. I think um, in order to kind of genuinely be um, comfortable and happy with achieving success, I feel like you have to um, divest um, from talented tenth talented tenth tenth rhetoric. You have to completely divest um, from like these um, cons- this conceptualized idea of black exceptionalism um that oh um i is smart i what did abeline say from the hell i is smart you is you is smart you is kind you is important yeah divest away from like this conceptual conceptualized idea of oh um you're a credit to your race. You're an atypical Negro. Um, you're a rarity to the general Black population. Um, so you can go. You have to divest yourself from I, that idea of, again, performing for the white gaze and allowing people to tell you you're a quote-unquote credit to your race. So you get a pass. You get to be at the table kind of like kind of basically don't let people Herschel Walker you um <laughs> I saw a meme like even though there's nothing about Herschel Walker um uh conveys anything anything about black exceptionalism or excellence let's start there um, or um, maybe I should use another example don't let people um uh what's the guy's name? Ben Carson you you know you have a person who's Black history. Ben Carson is Black history, but he completely undermined um, his legacy um, in the medical field to kind of uh, perform (laughs) for the white, to shuck and jive for the white gay. And I feel like you kind of have to divest from this idea of being a rarity or a quote unquote credit to your race. You know, do things. in the spirit of being genuine to who you are as a person, you know, um, stay centered in your humanity. Um, and I feel like you have to evaluate why you want to accomplish this goal. Um, why do you want to get ahead? Are you doing this because you want to make a difference in the world? Uh, do you want to make an impact in the world? Or are you doing this so that you can um, put on stunts and shows? Yeah, yeah. And I think once you get clear on that purpose, it's Mm -hmm. like organic and it's genuine, right? And you get to be able to pivot. You get to be able to, you know, reassess as you need to. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I was next curious about like punishment, like Mm -hmm. when certain goals, let me ask you this, when Mm -hmm. certain goals that that you believe are more so set by society are not reached, Mm -hmm. how does that differ from when people don't reach their own goals that they set for themselves? Like what does that, reflection, evaluation, and even possibly punishment look like? Well, I think that's a good question. I think when people, um, um, let me flesh this out a little, because I don't want to get too dark, but I think especially for Black people, I think when we um, don't reach goals that are set by society, society especially Mm -hmm. um we are very hard on ourselves Uh, we tend to kind of self-flagellate 
you know, you people wonder why so many people are um, dying by so many black people are dying by um, I don't know if I can say this word. Um, but I'm just going to say suicide, but it's like, you know, you have black people who are, um, I feel like with black excellence, it's like you, you, you perform for all these various gazes and it's never enough. And that is my issue with black excellence in these magical Negro tropes. It's never enough, no matter how successful you come, it's never enough. And, um, I'm going to be honest. I didn't know who uh, that Twitch person was. Oh. I didn't know, But then when I was reading about him, a lot of the things that was being said about him, especially by um, a lot of uh, non-Black people who were in, who shared space with him, a lot of them said the same exact things about him. Um, th- they said, oh, he made us feel good. He was a magical mm. beacon or light for us. Um, when we were around him, we felt good about ourselves. Mm. And it's like, meanwhile, he was probably, I don't know, screaming inside. So mm. I feel like um, when we try to set goals and expectation, reach goals and expectations um, to appease other people, I feel like we have a tendency to be harder on ourselves. I think it really, our mental health takes a nosedive. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we're, we become like our own worst, um, our, our own worst, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Our own worst critics. Mm-hmm. It's just never enough. Yeah. And so when we, when we do have something that we want for ourselves, other people can benefit, but it's truly for ourselves. Mm-hmm. What are the ways that you think, and I don't even know if punish is the right word, mm-hmm. but so maybe you have a more extensive vocabulary than me and you can find a better word than punish. Mm-hmm. But what are the ways that we hold ourselves accountable or respond to not realizing a goal that, again, we set for ourselves? Um, set for ourselves. Like, how do we respond when we don't reach our goals? Yeah, like, what's ourselves? the, res- yeah, like, what's the, res- like, what's the response when it's something that we want for ourselves, that we set for ourselves versus something that we are told that we want, right? Mm-hmm. And we're conditioned to believe that we want what is that like response, accountability, punish? I don't, I don't think punishment is the right word, but what does that look like when it's something that we truly desire? I feel like um, oftentimes um, what that can look like is we might not, um, we don't live in our full truth. I feel like um, we might not, um, like for instance, if for instance, maybe we wanted to save to buy a house and we weren't able to do that because the pandemic hit and inflation and we have responsibilities and all these unforeseeable other things. Life happened. So maybe, for instance, we weren't able to save for a house in 2022. And so I think a lot of the times um, what that looks like for us is that's one goal we didn't reach. So we might be hard on ourselves. We kind of might isolate ourselves. Um, maybe we might, um, uh, go under the radar for a few months, or maybe we might act out in weird ways. Like we, we create whole kind of, uh, 
personas where we start like curating uh, fake disingenuous lives on social mm-hmm. media. I think a lot of the times when we don't reach our, our that goal, we, we become so hard on ourselves that um, we either um, become very self-contained Mm-hmm. And we stay away from people um, because we feel bad. Oh, we didn't get to buy our house or we didn't go on that uh, uh, 30 day sojourn to Europe. So we're just going to drop off the map or we either start pretending and yeah. lying. Yeah. That's what I think. At least that's what I've seen. Yeah, and I, I came across um, an article that was talking about how a lot of the grief that we experience is actually really, really isolating because mm-hmm. because it's these are not conversations that we have um, in mainstream media often. There's not a blueprint for how to have these discussions and also like how to understand ourselves and the depths of our emotions. For yeah. example, um, the article talked about the grief of losing a really good friend who mm-hmm. they meant a lot to you, but Y'all just, you, you had nowhere else to grow. You, you had nowhere else to go, to grow. You just weren't meant for each other anymore. Mm-hmm. Society allows you to talk about romantic relationships and the mm-hmm. heartbreak there, but not platonic relationships. It also makes me think about how when you have something that you really want and you don't get it, there's disappointment there. And you're allowed yeah. to be disappointed in the fact that it didn't happen in the situation. But if you talk about that out loud or too often... People are kind of like, ooh, like, you know, like, shout out. You're always supposed to, like, talk about how much you want to get it, you know, and and once you've gotten it. But we don't talk about the behind the scenes. So to your point, because people are are not allowed this space to talk about that out in the open, they have to create a facade to bury their pain. And that's that's sad. It is it is very sad. And I think a lot of the times, I think for me, and I think that's why sometimes even in, in real life, I think that's probably why a lot of the times, even though I have a few close friends that I hold near and dear, but overall, just in general, I'm a loner. And I think that's why yeah. I stay to myself because a lot of the times me saying things like, I don't believe in black excellence or I want to be mediocre minus the pumpkin spice latte or, or saying things like, um, uh, you know, um, telling people, because honestly, I'm a huge proponent of re of establishing boundaries and reinforcing them. And I think a lot of the times, um, that disarms people. Um, and so that's why I mostly try. To, I don't fool with a lot of people. Um, yeah. but, but I feel like, for instance, um, when in term, I'm a huge proponent of as long as you're not hurting or harming anybody, um, emoting the way you need to emote. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, um, especially as uh, as I get older, because a, a lot of that was stifled for me as a young adult. So it's very important for me. So as long as I'm not cursing anybody out and mm-hmm. I'm still being a rational human being, I think a lot of the times people get disarmed when you say no. You can say it in a nice way. You can just say no. Yeah, and then people that'll rattle people. And I know recently I told you that I was um, the last year mm-hmm. just planning for a work event. It was just very stressful for me. Mm-hmm. And um, reinforcing boundaries, even with doing that, just kind of uh, trig- triggered people. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't want you telling people you don't get to trigger me and police mm-hmm. how I react to things 
mm-hmm. it's just weird how that triggers people. Mm-hmm. And so, so like, if I tell people, if people say, like, for instance, I get upset when people t- try to tell me, uh, let something that bothers me go. And then I have to tell people, don't tell me to let it go. Let me <laughs> react in this moment and be done. Right. With it. Like that disarms. People. So I feel like, um, I'm rambling. So let me get back to the initial point. Well, so I feel it. like, um, kind of, um, it's important for people, for me, for instance, I, I, one of my boundaries is do not police how I react to something. Like as long as I'm still rational and I'm level-headed and I'm not harming anybody, I'm not cursing you out. Um, I'm still rational and calm. You don't get to police, um, how I react to something. And I feel like, um, a lot of that is um, it kind of ties into quote unquote uh, black excellence with trying to convey this kind of image to people. I also it also ties into things like um, respectability politics and um, po- what I call what I like to call positivity porn. I think that's why I loved um, the late great um, Barbara. Iron Reich, I'm probably jacking up her last name, but she wrote, a, and this is a white woman, she wrote a lot about um, positivity porn and how positivity, like kind of like this performative kind of, yes. pos- these performative positivity movements mm-hmm. kind of harm people. And she said, she came to, and she also wrote a lot about kind of like uh, capitalism and, and, but, but in terms of this work she did about positivity porn, she spoke a lot about how when she was diagnosed with cancer, for instance, and how um, she called it the pink, pink ribbon movement, um, how, you know, a lot of people just kind of gaslit her. It's almost like this discomfort people feel in hearing other people in learning or hearing about other people's uh, discomfort to go back to what you said is just kind of weird to me. And yeah. I'll tell you, um, I did a video about it. Some, uh, one of my earlier YouTube videos over the last, this last year, um, something I keep to myself about, even though I did a video about it, um, I came into 2022 with a literal bang. And I think that that also kind of shape a lot of um, how I think now as I get older, as I continue to come of age. Um, I was, the day before Thanksgiving 2022, I was effing hit by a car. Oh. But I felt like, you know, um, yeah, yeah, that was that was it was just kind of like those one of those weird freak accidents. Yeah, and, and and even still to this day, that's not something I tell everybody other than right. my um, immediate right. family right. members. Mm-hmm. And you got to tell your job. But I don't. That's not something I share with someone because people are so uncomfortable. Right. With, and so, so I don't share that with that a lot of people. So true. That is so yeah. true. Yeah. And and see your point. Oh my God, girl, we could talk for hours because that is so, because to your point, right? When you talked about the, the, the pink ribbon, Mm -hmm. it's like, you can't even open up to everybody because you don't know who's like secretly celebrating when you're just telling somebody something true. But also because we don't practice like genuine, genuinely sitting with people and Mm -hmm. and, and uncomfortable truths, people don't know how to do it. So yeah. That's, that's what you're saying that we we force and fake this positivity mm-hmm. because we know that in a capitalistic society, 
like being being nice, being okay. That's what's pushed because they offer these products and services to make you feel okay. But it's all just about money. Yeah. Wow. Wow. It is. Even when you look at uh, the, even the um, wellness industry has just mm-hmm. become, uh, yep. adulterated. Um, yep. Self-care. And even yep. though I remember I was watching this video um, by, um, oh my God, what is her name? Fab Socialism. Uh, you watch Fab you, Socialism? Uh, fab Socialism that- on YouTube. Yes. You watch her? Yes. And yeah, she did this really yeah. she is and she did this really good video on um like the wellness movement. Like there's like this mm. uh brand, I forget the name of the mental uh the therapy brand, but how they have like all these, how they push all of the and you might have even seen it on a lot of your news feeds, especially on Facebook, how they push this whole uh their whole therapy brand and they use influencers oh my to God. try to peddle therapy but it's almost like you're using influencers to do it and then you're kind of um making but at the same time uh you're commodifying therapy and you're kind of still making it inaccessible to people and it's not is it culturally competent so yeah and so that's why i like a lot of uh barbara ironreich's work and you can find even some videos of her at um in conversation with people and doing readings where she reads from her book um, about kind of like the positivity movement, but she talks about being diagnosed with breast with cancer and then just having people kind of gaslight her into being positive about it. Girl. Well, you should be grateful. Uh, it could be worse. So that was one of the reasons I didn't, a lot of people don't know that that's what happened to me. And wow. I, that's how I came into 2022. And it's almost like, I haven't heard from you in months. How you been? Yeah. And it's like, oh, you know, I wasn't well, or I was recovering from an accident. Or How do you tell yeah. people? Because then people get all weird yeah. yep. about yep. that kind of stuff. It's weird. And then people feel embarrassed because... They'll be like, oh, you know, how did I, how didn't I know? Or that mm-hmm. they tried, you know, they were like just like checking in, like, oh, where have you been? But then yeah. when they find out something happened, they feel guilty. Yeah. And then they start acting weird. That yeah. is um, that is that's so true. I also feel like so many of these things are connected, mm-hmm. right? We don't, I feel like a lot of people don't know how to be human. Yeah. Um, we feel like vulnerabilities is a weakness. And so mm-hmm. that is that is again why we don't know how to sit with a lot of things but I did want to ask you what then are healthy coping mechanisms that we can develop as individual people um Mm -hmm. so you talk about us not knowing how to show up for people what does that look like how is that possible when we're not able to attain the things that we want to how can we be gracious with ourselves to recognize it's not the end of the world because we didn't get this one thing um in terms of how do how do we be gracious with ourselves? Yeah, how can we be more gracious with ourselves when we don't get the things that we want? Recognize that you are a human being. Again, I, I hearken this back to I remember this is another job related thing. I remember um uh you know I got gaslit at gaslit at work some months ago. Um I'm trying to remember what like this incident where um I felt like I was being uh, 
for lack of a better word, exploited. Like my labor, Mm -hmm. my creative labor was being exploited. You know, it's like you don't, and that's another thing, you don't get to exploit me when you're paying me this much. So it's almost like, it's like I'm doing all this stuff and you're making all of these demands and it's like, it's too much. And, you know, to have your boss say something like, well, this person comes in and does this and this person does that and I do this. And basically, suck it up buttercup and and i had to tell yeah. her i i and again i don't boss or no i told her listen i am a human being i'm yeah. human i have the right to feel overwhelmed i'm a human exactly. being um i had to tell her i said because i'm human and it's almost like that rattled her when i said because i'm a human being yeah that's why i feel stressed and overwhelmed mm-hmm. um so i feel like um one coping way to cope is do not allow anybody to strip you of your humanity. Mm-hmm. Set boundaries, reinforce those boundaries. Uh, for me, that's essential. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good way to cope. Yeah. Um, um, what was, and what was the other part of the question? Honestly, I don't remember, but <laughs> that was such a thorough response. You probably covered it. Yeah. Um, I'm also wondering, so like we recognize that we don't just exist as individual people. We mm-hmm. are in community. We have family, whether yeah. our blood family or chosen family. Yeah. So how can we collectively, like as a community, um, how can you advise me, like Houston, like this is how you show up better and, and practice that grace that hopefully you're also mm-hmm. showing offering yourself how can we do better in community so that people don't feel so pressured or stressed and that they know they realize that they're human um well for one um re have the wherewithal to self critique <laughs> mm-hmm. um and then realize you know um we're all human um you don't have any obligation to perform um recognize people's humanity you know how we can show up as a community for the recognize that people are human uh mm-hmm. try your best to um within reason because i, I just want to stress that within reason just try to try your best to meet people where they are mm-hmm. yeah you know um that it's okay if someone, because also I don't want to veer off course too much, but hopefully this ties in because also kind of one thing I've been noticing in this kind of, um, in this kind of newfangled age of how we um, interact with each other as a community, I've been noticing this thing where um, it's almost like, and I'm going to, I think this, I'm going to tie this into like LLC and hustle culture. It's almost like, oh, well, I can't be your friend unless you're an entrepreneur or, or most recently um, uh, obscure rapper, then yes, that is shade. Erica Banks um, talking about um, I can't be your friend unless you have a BBL and you look that way. And you know, um, you gotta have this, that, and a third, and you gotta. She have was talking more. reckless. She, yeah, yeah she was. I feel reckless. like, um, for me, um, she's like, you gotta me, be a baddie. <laughs> it's like, yeah, are you, you that's a baddie? Really, to me, you're instantly when you do when you kind of uh, formulate like these kind these superficial mm-hmm. uh, connections. To me, you're 
that for me that instantly um makes you a loser right. and or degenerate um and i feel like just kind of um meet people as much as you can within reason because you don't want to when i say meet people where they are i'm not saying bend over backwards for people who are exploiting you and using you i mean in terms of we're all just trying at the end of the day we're all just trying under just listen to people and meet them where they are within reason and um listen to people don't listen to respond Right. Just listen to people. Um, understand that we're not all um, going to be hustlers. We're not all, we don't all want to start an LLC. We don't all want to be magical Negroes. Mm-hmm. Be okay with the fact that some of us just want to be regular, regular and basic, <laughs> not regular, regular. And <laughs> regular. And that's okay. And meet people where they are and just realize, you know, sometimes, um, it's okay that people are hurting. It's okay that people are vulnerable. Um, allow people space to be vulnerable. Mm. I think that's how we we can kind of propel ourselves and move forward as a community. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have really enjoyed talking to you. You have given me a lot to, to chew on, um, especially when you're talking about how we receive other people's life happenings and misfortunes. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm really going to sit with that. I appreciate that. Uh, Do you have any closing words for the people? Um, you know, I'm going to, um, quote the incomparable Fiona Apple. (laughs) I don't think she gets enough credit. I'm aging myself and dating myself. I don't know if you know who Fiona Apple is. Is that the girl from Shrek? The singer, Fiona Apple. That's how I know I'm aging myself. She's not black, but... but I thought Fiona got, was from Shrek. Let me... No, not, not Shrek, Fiona Apple, the singer. I know. No, no, I don't know. And she had some bangers. Um, okay. um, I don't What's know if you I don't know if you've ever heard the song, and I'm feeling like a criminal. I don't know. I can't sing mm-hmm. that criminal song, but Google Fiona Apple. Um, but um, if I can quote the incomparable and the elusive s- singer Fiona Apple when she um, uh, t- uh, tore some stuff down Ooh. at the MTV Awards back in the day. It's when she won that award. She cursed people out. And she said, go with yourselves. She said, this world is BS. She said, this world is bullshit. I don't know if I can curse. She said, when she accepted her award, she said, this world is bullshit. She said, go with yourselves. Mm. Those are my closing comments. Those are my closing comments. Thank you, Tiffany, for the dope conversation. To follow Tiffany on social media, please check out the description box of this episode. There you'll find her website, social media handles, and other opportunities to further connect with her. All of my content, including low expectations, is brought to you by my Patreon members. Thank you to my patrons for supporting what I do and why I do it. If you like this episode, there's more. Head to patreon.com slash houstonbred for exclusive content and community. Space is limited. I'm in the ghetto. 